Welcome. Uh, to, glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, my name's Todd. <clears throat> I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. I'm here with uh, Christian uh, Burkhart. And uh, seriously, uh, while this has been a weird time, I feel in some ways I've been able to keep up with some of you in a greater way during this time. So it's been a, a, tr- a true blessing, I think, for me and my family. Um, here's what we're going to do this morning to kind of <clears throat> figure out kind of things. N- number one is, is if, if you want to write down any questions you might have during this time, feel free in the comments section, whether you're on our website or on the Facebook page, to, to send us comments. There will be people that will be answering at least some of those questions, even too for Christian and I. I'd love to see some of the questions that you're kicking out there. Because I think this, this, this next topic that we're going to be talking about is, is very important. Let me put it to you this way. I think all of us, deep within us, whether we follow Jesus or we don't follow Jesus, there's just something uneasy in us during this time that's come. It's, it's maybe just more heightened. The Bible kind of talks about this. Paul talks about it as this idea of a groaning. Now, let me just read you this passage so you can kind of hear it. In verse 22 in Romans 8, he says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. In other words, creation is feeling this. That little virus that none of us can put our fingers on is just another example of a fallen world. It's just, it's just groaning. It's wanting to be in the way that God designed it. Now, verse 23, And not only creation... But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We groan. Now, I think in this kind of tension that we're facing, this angst that's inside of us, uh, some of us might express it as, as loneliness. Some of us might express it maybe from the standpoint of anxiety. Uh, maybe even like I was thinking through some of these things, uncertainty, tension that we have within us. <laughs> even some, I think that I've talked to, maybe paranoia. But we're all dealing with it differently. Meaning, uh, in dealing with it differently, I think there's some of us that are going to choose to hide from it, maybe by drinking, uh, or maybe by doing drugs. There's other people that are going to go off and play video games till this thing is over. I think another one that I wrote down is maybe you're the one binge watching every episode of every episode or whatever show it might be that you're out there. <clears throat> I think another way that we do this is we indulge maybe in like passions. We, we get after eating more than we ought to. We, we involve ourselves maybe into pornography and our sexual passions. We, we in other words, we, we also are in other ways we maybe hibernate. We go place ourselves in the quicksand of loneliness in that way. My wife and I on Friday, to be honest with you, we wanted to hibernate. We didn't want to get out of bed. I think the other one that I've seen is a pessimism that's, I've seen the church, and it's probably the one that's starting to get me most concerned, is just this venting politically or maybe even socially where we want people to have freedom, but let me just say this, we could give people all the freedom they want and we could get it back, but they would still be under an important slavery, which is the slavery of sin. We want them to have freedom in Jesus, or maybe even you're like me, you like to pretend it's not there, and I do that through laughing. Whatever it is that you're wrestling with at this particular time, I'll just say this. It all comes back to what Paul was talking about. We don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want something different to happen to us. We want to think through this rightly. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, what Chris and I are going to talk about here, just to kind of kick it off, I think it's just important to where we're going, is this idea of the flesh and the spirit. Now, I think in this contrast between the flesh and the spirit, we kind of tried to kick it off a little bit on, on Wednesday night. But let me do this. I'm going to kick it over to you so we can kind of start a discussion. Yeah. 
How do you see this, this tension of this flesh and the spirit? What's going on? What's Paul trying to tell us? Because we tried to highlight the idea that it's not like a, a physical, non-physical thing. It's not like a Greek dualism or anything yeah. like that. It's, there's something bigger that Paul's getting at. Do you want to maybe just let me throw it over to you, maybe kick us off? What, yeah. what is this flesh-spirit thing that's kind of going on here? Yeah, totally. Well, good morning, everybody. It's, it's great to be with you in this way. Um, we've been spending the last, basically since this started, we've been cherry-picking from Romans 8 and Romans 12 in different ways because we feel like... It's not coincidental that God has us at this point in Romans uh, during this time. And especially in the first, you know, 15 or so verses of Romans 8, he keeps using these two categories of flesh and spirit. Um, And I think that this is just another another representation of, of a larger contrast that we see not only in the writings of Paul, but in all the writings of the New Testament of of these two realities that we live under simultaneously. Hmm. These, these two world systems, not just world systems out there, but even internally within us that are operating at the same time. Uh, here in Romans 8, he definitely talks about it like the flesh and the spirit. And like you said, not in just a, a physical body way versus some metaphysical aspect of who we are, but just the operating principle, the, the, the rule under which we live yeah. is different. Um, elsewhere in the New Testament, I mean, even just in the book of Romans, he, he likens it to... Um, the difference between being born in Adam under sin and having this new birth in 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 Christ in Christ yeah. in a, a slavery to like righteousness a slavery to sin like yeah he's, he's building out that contrast all the time between them and now he's kind of building into it by the time we get to it this flesh spirit reality yeah that he's talking about so it's 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 like we're walking around this thing and seeing different aspects of it and the writers of the New Testament give us multiple word pictures yeah. for it and actually we put this little whiteboard up here to kind of right try to illustrate this for you, just so you see uh, some different comments and discussions that I've been a part of. I think for us, we, we, we wrestle with what is he meaning by this flesh spirit thing? And to set it in the larger context of just these dual realities, these two different realities that are going on, we thought it'd be fun to kind of do yeah. it up here. So you get and to we're do social the, distancing. We're social distancing. We're going to use different markers here so that we, yeah. don't, we don't mess it up. But I think on one end of it, you have maybe this idea of flesh uh-huh. uh, that we have that we have up there, and then we have the other die. The other- this is the good side in, in the nice Dodger blue color <laughs> yeah. marker that we have here. And I'm on the evil side. Yeah, giant's black that. over there, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So on one side of it, like you said, we have this, like, first Adam. Yeah. Paul talks about in, uh, in Romans 5. Yeah, or then he says the difference is to be in Christ is this new reality, this new yeah. realm of operation. Uh, then we have, like, a slavery to sin. Versus a slavery to righteousness. To righteousness. Uh, even the, the contrast now that, that he, he even builds out this idea of the difference between, he uses words like life. Uh-huh. Uh, he uses words like peace mm-hmm. um, to kind of describe what life looks like under, under uh, or no, I did uh, it wrong. You did the wrong one, yeah, yeah. Let's cross that out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Whereas over here, it's more the idea of <clears throat> sin and death, right? Yeah. yeah, you see this throughout the New Testament. I think uh, in the writings of, or in the Gospels, we see Jesus so often using the language of kingdom. And I mean, the rest of the New Testament does too. Yeah. But this idea of the kingdom of God in conflict, in contrast to the kingdom of this world or yeah. even the kingdom of, of the, the ruler of this world, the evil one. Which is interesting. It's almost like, in a weird way, we don't have that tension before we're rescued, right? Jesus rescues us, makes us his very own. And the moment that we receive the Holy Spirit, suddenly we enter into a tension, maybe from a Galatians 5 standpoint, that we, weren't, we didn't even realize was there before, but it is there now in a real and a present way. Yeah, yeah, and, or even in Galatians 1 where he talks about how 
Christ came to rescue us from this present evil yeah. age. And so I think this is where it gets different than, you know, we have some different philosophies in the world that talk about like yin and yang, these eternal good and evil forces that are dual together. And that's not what we're talking about here. There very much is this, this good category, this realm of goodness and light and life in which God created everything initially. But in the rebellion of spiritual beings and humans, everything in creation yeah, moved over, over into this, yeah. this category. But what we have in the work of Jesus, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is God basically planting like, a, like, like the D-Day Normandy invasion, saying, no, my realm, my rule, my kingdom is breaking back into this thing, and I am bringing people from this reality into this reality. Yeah. And that's what he says when he says, through the spirit, the, the, the law of the spirit of life has now rescued us and delivered us from the, the realm of sin and yeah. death. We have been transferred in this very once for all act. Yeah. But even as we've been transferred in this once for all act, we see throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, this idea of you're now over here. So learn to live over here yeah. and learn to put these things Which to Which is interesting. So much of Romans 8, and we, we kind of, we, again, this is where I feel like we touched well, maybe Wednesday night if you're watching this, is that who we are matters. Yes. And we have to focus on who we are. We are, because we have been included into Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you now, therefore, are no longer under the curse. You're not under condemnation. You're a, a new creation, almost a 2 Corinthians 5 real. Everything has changed. And now we're, and we'll talk about this on Wednesday, we're under an obligation in the good sense of the word now. This is our new home. Yes. Or no, or no. I is, did it wrong. <laughs> Take what I say, not what I do. <laughs> it's like how I parent. <clears throat> but with this, no, this is the world in which we now live. Yes. And I think this is so critical to, again, where we're at right yeah. now in the middle of this. Everything in us is wanting to snap back into the flesh. Yeah, this still comes naturally. So oh. Old habits die hard, right? And this is our default. Yeah, and I think even more so, it's because I'm just going to play with this a little bit here. We'll just, that's I'll supposed even to be do over this. here anyways. Yeah. The way that the New Testament lays this out is that within these two realms, you actually have, can you draw a big circle around the black part here? I can. It's like this whole realm of the spirit, this new life of the kingdom of God, has come in and it hasn't just fully plucked us out of this reality. It's almost like this. It overlaps in this way. And we wonder, why do we groan? Why is life hard? Why do we keep wanting to snap back? It's because this is where we live right here in the yeah. overlap of these two realities. We are in the spirit. We are in Christ. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness but there is an active role that we play that Paul calls us to play, like in Galatians 5, keep in step with the Spirit. If you live, if you have this new life in the Spirit, put to death, he says in Romans 8, what's going on over here. Yeah. And that, that just to me, at least, is a conceptual way of going, why is my heart so filled with tension and groaning, both in the way things are going in this world, and then being home with my family for the last month, seeing so much need for repentance and change as a husband, as a parent, I'm groaning because I'm stuck in the middle here. And I really want to be over here, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, and I think over here, right, the other thing is too, Paul's going to later talk about creation. Yeah. Creation is longing, right, to, to be placed back in there. So now, like, even again, a little bug inside of us. If, if suddenly all of us were free today, we would think, oh, great, we can go back to our old lives. Our old lives still have this. Yeah. Like, this is where there's still viruses, there's still bacterias, there's still all kinds of things that don't work for us, they, they work against us because of the fallen nature, snapping yeah. back. Wherever you go, whether you're stuck at home like we are right now, 
or you get to go shop in every department of Target or something like that, you're still going to be in this tension of these two conflicting realities. Yeah, and I think this is the deception. And again, this is why I want to talk about this. I think everybody in our head thinks if we can just go back to normal, if we can get out of our houses, if we can, again, all the other things that we can imagine that would be, you know, the best life, you know, now, and we'd be singing on a mountaintop, you know, uh, uh, with the Van Trapp family, (laughs) is that if we could go back to all of those different things, we think we're all right, but this is still here. I just think right now it's been heightened. Yes. We're way more aware of it, and in an interesting way, Again, I think uh, viruses, uh, death, heartache, I, 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 I hate them. Mm-hmm. But in the good sense of the word, it has made us very aware of this tension that's going on inside of the world. Yeah. The problem is, though, is we keep reacting potentially like this, yeah. not like God wants us to react. Or all the things you talked about, the ways that we distract ourselves, the ways that we, we run to other things is almost pressure release valves. is because we can't escape this. Yeah but we really want to escape it. And as a matter of fact, Paul says, that's one of the things the Holy Spirit produces in us is this groaning for this transition to be complete. This this groaning for this change of realms to be complete and to fully live in this reality. But we so often settle for cheap, temporary things that just numb us or that just distract us for the evening Mm -hmm. because this is really hard to live right there. So let me do this. I'm going to turn it back over to you for the next few minutes just for you to wrestle with your family, your friends, maybe if you're online with people or even if you're alone, grab a piece of paper to write down or if you want to send us questions. And, and let me just throw these, these quest, this question out to you. There's kind of a two-parter of it. How have you found yourself responding to the internal groaning you've been facing? Maybe it's you've been hiding. Maybe you've been hibernating like I wanted to do on Friday. Maybe you're pretending like I tend to do. Again, when I, I use humor as a way to pretend like things aren't there. Maybe you've been indulging. Or maybe like for some of you, socially, maybe politically, you've been venting with everything that you are, thinking that somehow if we can just get our freedoms back, that things will go back to normal. Or maybe you've even been responding well. Like I've found the spirit of God doing a work in yeah. me. Whatever it might be, how have you found yourself kind of groaning in the midst of this? And then the next part of that question is, is have you been responding with an outlook shaped by the flesh? or the spirit, and then talk about it. Mm -hmm. So for these next few minutes, let me just turn it over to you and enjoy having a conversation about what is God doing currently or maybe what are you seeing out of yourself right now? I think the one thing that I think for Christian and I, even as we not only planned for this, but as we talked about it was, is that this reality is hard. I don't care how you look at it, to, to, to live in light of this when that is not our natural bent as human beings, we always are drawn back into this. So it's no wonder that the only way in the world that we can ever live in this direction is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, again, we create lives, we create churches, we create families, and in the back of our head, we, we make them to the point where we, we think in the back of our head, no, we've got it together, when in fact... We, we, we don't. This, this reality is brutally difficult, and we are desperate in our need of the Holy Spirit to, be pulled, to pull it off. Mm-hmm. There's no way possible whatsoever apart from the work of God inside of us. So yeah. let, let me transition it so we can think through this next part. <clears throat> so on one side, I love what Paul does. And again, so if we can just kind of talk this through. He understands the angst that we're in. He helps us understand it. All of creation is wanting to snap back into its old form the way that God intended it. We as humans, now that we've tasted of the Holy Spirit, we want that, we long for it. And so it seems that he grabs three important things, two 
two of them kind of give us our places where he throws an anchor. He throws our anchor back into the past. Mm-hmm. He, he tells us stories of Adam. He tells us yeah. stories of Abraham and Moses and David and, and alludes to the prophets, I think, in a pretty powerful way in what he talks about. But it's all leading to the powerful work of Jesus, right? So in yeah. other words, he throws that anchor back in there to remind us of who we are, who Christ has made us to be. And so in other words, we talked a lot about this on Wednesday we are children of God. We are, we are sons and daughters of the king. We are saved, rescued. We, we no longer face condemnation because we're no longer under the curse because of the work of Jesus. Just so many wonderful realities that then Paul even encapsulates kind of in that allusion to, mm-hmm. to adoption. And who we yeah, are. yeah. Then he takes an anchor and he throws it forward and reminds us of, of where everything is going, right? And he yeah. anchors those things in and then he places us back in the present. Yeah. So, so let me do this because I think like I, I want people to exit this discussion really being able to have some take home to this mm-hmm. that, okay, yeah, I agree with you. They're probably sitting there going, this is hard. I feel that angst. Mm-hmm. I, I want to respond in these different ways. So why does Paul anchor, maybe just for a second, those two realities to help us to live in the present? Yeah, I think, it, I, I think in that way it goes back to something that we've been talking about throughout this whole kind of coronavirus time period is just living in the right story of seeing where we're where we're we're at where we've been where we're going um i think that like the the question of what does it look like to live faithfully in the present to live appropriately in the present is always shaped by not only our understanding of what god has already done but equally by our understanding of what god has promised yet to do for us That, that really it's in the tension between those. I remember reading one guy who said, he says, we are, as Christians living in this time and this place, we are pushed forward by everything that has come already and we are pulled forward by all that is yet to come. Mm-hmm. And it's in that place that the, the, the understanding the past and the future that we, we actually come to grips with what it looks like to live faithfully in the present. Yeah. So maybe just be practical for a second, yeah. if you could. Like, how has that reality helped you to live currently right now in the world that we're living in yeah yeah i think that um when we talk about this kind of overlap between the two uh, even when you look at romans 8 of what what paul does here just pay attention as you're reading through it if you are taking time i love it if you if you take time to, to to meditate on it and memorize this passage pay attention to when paul talks about things that have happened in the past Pay attention when Paul talks about what's going to happen in the future and then see in that how it shapes what he calls us to do in, in the present. That, that there are these definitive things. He says, the law of the spirit of life has set you, already set you free from the law of sin and death. Because it's almost like, and again, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, talk yeah. about your life. But, and again, I think this is so important is that our perception of reality is so important yes. in this. Like, in other words, if we were to almost give a step number yeah. one in this, yeah. we have to have a correct perception of what's going on so that we can rightfully be able to do this. So in mm. other words, again, I know I've been picking on the political end of it, but I've mm. just seen so much political language lately yeah. online, but it's like the old us wants to now have the, the freedoms that are offered us in this world missing the freedom that's offered in maybe Jesus Christ, yeah. right? Our, our perception, this is, a, this is one that is dying and fading and going away. Yeah. This is the one that's eternal, that lives forever, that's the right reality. So yeah. anyways, maybe just take that practically. Yeah. How, how has this kind of been important to you kind of in your time? I, I mean, I do think that, that for, for me personally, it, it is so much of it is setting, resetting my expectations. That's good. Resetting my expectations of what can I reasonably expect government to do for me? What, what ought I to expect? 
Well, I think Romans 13 tells me that they've been or, or, uh, put in place by God and that I do have a calling in, in like 1 Timothy to pray for my governing authorities. But at the same time, understand that they're part of this system, yeah. this system which ultimately needs to be changed by the coming of Jesus's kingdom in, in its fullness. And so for in that way, it, it makes it where I think I, we can still speak truth, but at the same time, like my, my, my security, my peace isn't all based upon the government doing what I think it should do. The government responding to this situation the way that I think that they should respond to it. Because ultimately, that's not where my, my true identity and my hope lies. Yeah. So I think I'm one, and then, then I also just think about that personally, like in my, my parenting or in my, my role as a husband. And I go, okay, I am, I'm not here anymore. Yeah. I, I have been made new in Christ. And the Spirit is teaching me how to do this in a different way, how to, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, love my wife like Christ loves the church. But I'm right here in the middle. Like, I'm going to struggle. I'm gonna get this wrong. My wife is going to as well. And I think that it, it resets your expectations of the need of grace, the need of confession, the need of asking for forgiveness. And I think that one of the, one of the things that, it, if, as the more that we acknowledge this overlap in our lives, the more that we acknowledge that we are, definitively, we are defined by this reality, but still called to live in this reality. Man, there's a, there's a, there's a, a it, it, it's so funny. I feel like it breeds a, a patience in yeah. certain ways and even more of an impatience in other ways because we've tasted. I love the way the writer of Hebrews talks about it, that we who are in Christ have tasted of the power of the age to come. It's whetted our appetite, which makes us even less content to want to still be here. And we want to just, Jesus should come back already. But that's not ultimately up to us. So just that way in which, okay, how does, this, how does this breed patience in my life toward how I need to grow and change and how other, I see others in my life need to grow and change, but also a right impatience of, at the end of the day, what I really want is the fullness of God's kingdom yeah. to come. I, I, I think this area in here, like where Paul talks about that groaning, I, I, it, it, and, and even you see this like in Philippians 4, that's what I've been reading lately, is Paul understood contentment. That's yeah. kind of what he was talking about, right? Is that you put me in plenty, you put me in want, you put me wherever I am, I've learned to be content. And I think a lot of this is, is like learning to be content in the groaning. Again, not that we don't want to be here yes. fully. Yeah. And not only do I not want to be here, uh -huh. But I think there's this side of it where we understand process a yeah. lot differently, right? That I'm in process, uh, my wife is in process, my children are in process, everyone around us is in process. And the weird part about that is, is now that all of us are moving again, no wonder we need the Spirit. Yeah. Because all of us are in this process of being shaped and molded more and more into the image of, of Jesus, where Paul gets to later when he talks about 828, 29. Yeah. 30. This is where everything is moving. He's talking about for those of us that know Jesus. Yeah. And I do think like, again, it's, it's been such a, and, and just meditating and wrestling through Romans 8 to see, oh my goodness, Paul got this. Yeah. He understood this angst, this, this, this just reality of what is going on in this world. And now how do we respond to it? Well, one is, is I do think our perception has to change. Absolutely. We've got to come to a new place in which we see things now, how God wants us to see him, not how we have a tendency to see him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, the Spirit's role that we see in, in Romans 8 is not just releasing us from condemnation, which praise God for that. There is yeah. no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. 
But I love the way he talks in the middle of the chapter about the spirit as the one who testifies right. to us. You truly are a child you're, of God. You're, a kid of you're the not king. who you used to be. <laughs> that's that's a, a past event that has a present reality in your life. You are adopted by God. And not only that, he says in uh, like verse 23, that because we have the spirit as the first fruits, the, the first taste of this new reality, he leads us to groan for the completion, to want the redemption of our bodies. And even in those times when we don't know what to pray, he, he, he intercedes for us. He, he, he knows how to put words to our prayers better than we do. Yeah. And that is such a comfort to me in the midst and of it's, this. And know? I think like even in this understanding, God's in control of his process. Yes. Right, again, it's, and again, I'm not trying to give us an excuse on this, but God is bringing us along, forming us, shaping us. He says, you know, he moves from justification to glorification. Mm -hmm. But I even think this, sometimes when we're sitting there going, how in the world are we gonna pull this off? Like, what in the world is those promises, right, of 831 and following? Well, who's against you, ultimately? Well, yeah. no one. I yeah. mean, our king, even to the point, right, of 38 and 39, who can separate us from the love of God? Height, depth, you know, any other created thing? The answer is, Nothing, yeah. right? I think it's just in that, it's the reminding myself on that line of throwing an anchor into my past and an anchor into my future and saying, here's where I'm called to live right yeah. now. So let, let, me, let me throw this one out to you just as yeah. we kind of bring this to a close then. So in the living in the now, <clears throat> you talked on Friday a lot about Jesus understanding yeah. the now that he lived in. And I mm -hmm. so appreciated that because when Jesus Christ came to this earth, Talk about someone who understood the angst. I mean, yeah. he came from the very throne of God mm -hmm. and, and he has seen this whole progression of humanity when they were apart from sin. Suddenly sin enters into it. He's there. I mean, I was in Luke 19 the other day, right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He just yeah. has this aching of his heart of what humanity could be. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. How is knowing the time we live in right now? Because I want to segue this for Wednesday in our discussion. Yeah. How, how is like, Learning to live in the time we live in now so important to this discussion of what it means to be to live in the spirit. Yeah, I think one of the things, and I was talking with you about this earlier, throughout this week, I kept coming back to Jesus's prayer in John 17. Hmm. He's in the garden, he's, or he's, he's still in the upper room at that point, but it's the night before his crucifixion. And he's praying to the Father on behalf of us, his people. And he makes this statement where he says that we are those that God has given to him out of the world. We used to be of the world. Now we're over here. But now he's given us, uh, he's, uh, we've been given to Jesus out of the world. But then he says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, though that's what we want. That's what we <laughs> long for. He says, he says I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but he says these, these, these three requests. He says that you keep them in your name, that you keep them from the evil one, the one who rules over this age, and that you sanctify them by the truth of your word. Because, he says, just as you, Father, sent me, Jesus, to the world, I am sending them into the world. Yeah. Like this idea that we are, we have this new identity different from this world system, and we are called to move into that reality but not to physically move out of it, but to live within this world as those sent by Jesus to press into that tension in the power of the Spirit, just like, like the Spirit pressed Jesus into that tension. And it makes it where the quickest way to be unfaithful, the quickest way to waste our lives is to each morning wake up and go, how can I, how can I avoid tension? Yeah. How can I avoid the conflict of it? 
But instead, the faithfulness, the Spirit meets us in those moments of saying, Jesus, I want to join you in this tension-filled transition from one reality to the other. Knowing that by the end of the night when I lay my head on my pillow, I'm not going to get there. I'm still going to be in this tension. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. But Spirit, you've been given to indwell me, to indwell us, not just to make us long for the future, but through our longing for the future to drive us to present tension-filled faithfulness yeah. now. Yeah. You know? So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to we're going to be again on Wednesday night. We'd love to have you be a part of this discussion. We're going to get even more kind of into this passage of Roman 8, Romans 8, try to be a little bit more practical even in how this lands out. But for you as a follower of Jesus, let me remind you who you are. Over and over throughout the New Testament, those of you that are in Christ Jesus are ones that do have the Holy Spirit, a guarantee of our inheritance, the, the reality of, of the, that we will one day taste the new creation that God has for us. We are sons and daughters of the king. We weren't just anybody. We are his very own. We've been adopted. We are no longer under condemnation. We now live in true freedom, freedom that's found only inside of Jesus Christ. But we have a direction that we're all going. One day, Jesus Christ is coming back, and he is coming back, and all things will be set right. He is the rightful king. He is the one who reigns and rules over all things. Everything is moving that direction. And even though we want to create heaven on earth now, we will never experience heaven on earth until Jesus comes mm -hmm. back and rightly reigns. So how do we live now? Well, on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about this reality. Follower of Jesus, son and daughter of the king, we're called to live in the tension. We're called to live in the pain. We're called to live in the heartache. We're called to live in that believing that fully as Jesus Christ, the one who came here first and lived amongst all of us, has called us to follow in his footsteps and do the same thing. And so join us on Wednesday night. God bless you all. In the name of the Father, who adores you and loves you as one of his, whom no one can stand against. In the name of the Son, who made all of this possible through not only his first resurrection, but when he comes back again and restores all things. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, the spirit that we've been talking about over and over again, that apart from him, truly, we're not able to do anything. May God bless you. May God keep you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit.